millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally, for most people, are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Joining me today is one of the great centre forwards of the British game. It is Peter with. How are you, please? Firstly, we're going to start at the beginning. You were born, like many great sports people and musicians, in the wonderful city of Liverpool, wasn't you? Yes, I was. I was born in Liverpool Lake, which is round the Smithdown Road, Toxteth area, and then moved out to speak in Liverpool because there was, I had two older brothers and then I had a younger sister. So we moved out to speak. Mm-hmm. And that's where the, there was two catchment areas at the time. There's yeah. Speak or Kirby, and we went to Speak at the time, uh, and that's where I basically was brought up. Brought up to Speak. What age did you, did you start playing football and and develop skills that that you thought you could take it onto another level? My dad was always a keen footballer and yeah. played semi-pro, and uh, so we when we started walking, we started playing football. Yeah. That's as as it went, and as you grew up. Um, it was you found your best friend who mm. had a football because yeah. no, not many of us had football so we found someone who had a football and then we'd play football and normally they wasn't very good at playing football but they had a football yeah. uh, and then we'd go down the parks throw a couple of coats down make the goals up mm. sometimes have 20 a side where you learnt a lot of skills yeah. of how to avoid getting kicked to death um, and that's where it really started and then we just continued from there Started playing for the uh, skills teams, then started playing whenever you can get a game, basically. Mm-hmm. So Saturday League, Sunday League, Wednesday Business House League in Liverpool. Um, and just, that's the way you sort of... But it was never any coaching. It wasn't like, you never got coached or anything. Yeah. You just went out and played. Whatever you learned, you learned yourself. I mean, mm-hmm. I used to go out for hours in the street and just kick a ball around in the street on my own and, and practice... Um, whatever I wanted to practice, you know, keeping the ball up, doing tricks, doing things with the ball, mm. um, just learning, you t- learning a little bit of a trade, thinking that one day you were going to play football. And it was always my, it was always, I always said to my mates that uh, we were, we used to go to the uh, Gladys Street end watch um, Everton play, um, and then I sold programs at Ed- Everton with my uncle. 
and my father and my brothers. Um, and the only reason we sold programs wasn't for the money, right? it was to get in the game. We got in the game free, yeah. so we wanted to go and watch the game. And I used to say to my mates at the time, I used to say, one day I'm going to play at Goodison Park. And they were like, no, you'll never play at Goodison Park. I'm telling you, I'm going to play at Goodison Park. And then I also said to them, and one day I'll play at Wembley. No, you won't, you won't play at Wembley. And I went, OK, we'll see. Well, we're going to fly in and out of different eras. Yeah. Um, the Everton team that you, that you grew up and, and you first loved, what players were in that team? Oh, I mean, we had probably the best midfield team in three players because we had a three. So it was the 60s. So we yeah. had uh, Ball, Kendall and Harvey. Yeah. Um, and they were terrific players, all three of them different in the start, but terrific mm -hmm. players. And then when I first started watching them, we had the likes of Fred Pickering, we had Mike Trebilco, we had Derek Temple. Mm. Um, so we we had quite a number of, of good players. Brian LeBoom was the centre-half, he was the England centre-half yeah. as well. Uh, we had Jimmy Gabriel playing, he could play anywhere, he could play in midfield. Mm -hmm. Uh, one of my first managers was Alex Parker, who was the right-back Scottish okay. international. Uh, left-back, funnily enough, I've seen the left, one of the left-backs we had, uh, a lad called Henry Newton, who played for Derby County and played, yeah. uh, mm. played a number of times at different clubs, but he, he was there. Uh, we had another Newton who played, who was a full-back as well, he was a left-back who come from uh, Blackburn. Um, so we had a, we had quite a good team, and we we always sort of got mm. a lot of Scottish uh, players that come into the um, the teams. Then yeah. not only Everton, I think mm -hmm. all the teams had, had a lot of Scottish players. And I was funnily enough, I was only reading the other day about what Gordon Strachan said, and I've yeah. spoken to him a number of times, and he said there's not. There's not Scottish players who are coming out of Scotland like they did in our day. Mm. Every team had two or three Scottish players, yeah. sometimes four or five Scottish players. He said, you know, they haven't got that sort of uh, them players coming out now, so there's no competition from sort of that. And that's probably one of the reasons why they haven't qualified for, you know, for the World Cup, although they come quite close to getting in. Um, so, you know, there was always a lot of uh, competitiveness. If you looked at the home championship mm -hmm. then, and you look at the players, there was always Irish players, there was always Scottish players, there was always Welsh players, there was always that competitive edge. Um, you know, when you played five-a-sides on a Friday, it was always split up into the uh, the Scots against the... And then you'd split the teams. Yeah. It might be the Scots and the Welsh against the Irish and the English. Uh, and then it was a very competitive, and the feet used to fly around. But again, in them days, when you were playing, it, it was a British game, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. And, and if you looked at the time, the, yeah. we had the British Championships, you know, where um, they don't do it. Well, they were called the Home Championships. Yeah. They don't do them anymore now, um, which is a bit of a shame, really, because I think it was a, it was great for the uh, for all the British people. Mm -hmm. uh, and there was always that competitiveness between it. Um, so, yeah, it's sad that that's sort of disappeared now from from the game. Um, but it, it, that's inevitable with the way time goes yeah. and the way the things change, you know. You know, I had 25 managers in my career. Yeah. 25 managers and 14 clubs. You know? Who was the best? Well, I would say that uh, there wasn't really one particular who you'd go, he was the best one. Because Brian, I played under Brian Clough, yeah. who was a phenomenal manager. Um, we talk about knighthoods, he should have been knighted. As soon as he won the European Cup for the second time, yeah. he'd won the championship with two different teams, provincial teams. 
and which will never be done again and everyone else gets knighted mm. and all of a sudden why doesn't Brian Clough get yeah. knighted when he was alive um, it, it, it stems from um, when Lester won it I remember reading an article on Facebook who said oh we should knight Ranjani <laughs> for winning and I write <laughs> hang on a minute yeah we had one of the best managers, yeah. who's an English manager, who'd done this, done this, done this, done this, and we can't knight him, why mm. would we give it to someone else? Yeah. You know? And it was no it was a phenomenal achievement, what Leicester did, but a phenomenal achievement mm. for me is winning the championship with two provincial seasons, yeah. and then back-to-back -back winning the European Cup. That is so him as a manager, Ron Saunders as a manager, mm -hmm. um, because... He was focused on what he had. Most of the successful managers yeah. have got this uh, channel vision about what they want. Um, nothing gets in the way. Mm -hmm. Players don't get in the way. If if you're not doing the job, you're out. You know, and Brian Clough is the same. It didn't matter whether he was 16 years old or 40 years old. Yeah, you would play in the team if you were doing your job. If you wasn't doing your job, you were out the team. Ron Saunders is the same. I like Bill McGarry as well. He was my first manager that when I came back from South Africa. And Bill was from the old school. Now that was Newcastle, was no, sorry, Wolverhampton Wonders, Wolverhampton wasn't it? Wonders, and then he yeah. sold me, and then he bought he bought me back when I was leaving Forest. So I went went to see yeah. him again. He changed, he mellowed a little bit. I used to say to him, "Have you changed a bit?" So he said, "Yeah, I've mellowed. I've, I've coached more." Whereas it was, you know, if you looked at the likes of Ron Saunders and Bill McGarry, he was a lot of running. There was a lot of running pre-season. Yeah. So there was a lot, a lot of running. And with Bill McGarry as well, if he wasn't in the first team, you used to go what we call Canic Chase and Brockton yeah. and run up them hills all around there, which I, I enjoyed it. I mean, I was, I'm a sort of um, a bit of a fitness freak. And people say to me about, um, you know, about football and that. I said, I've worked on the docks for five years. Yeah. I was like up at six o'clock in the morning and getting back at seven o'clock at night and then training in the evenings. Mm. I says, and I know what I'd rather do. I'd rather be playing football, kicking a football around, yeah. than working on the docks. No disrespect, I'm not being detrimental to people who work on the docks, but it was, you know, it was my ambition to play football. And if I had the choice of being an electrician or being a footballer, then there was no mm. sort of contest, really. So it was, um, it was just remembering and I, I have this with regards to, um, I was a supporter yeah. who went and watched football. Mm. And it didn't matter whether it was Everton or, I went to watch football wherever I could go and watch football. Um, and I remember my feelings standing on the terrace watching and what my feelings were towards Alan Ball and, and these likes of people. And when I met them over the years, I was in a little bit of awe because I watched yeah. them. And uh, I used to meet, meet Borley quite a lot on, on the golf things and, you know, tell him something. But he, so I used to say to people, I remember being on the terrace. And so I, re I know what a supporter wants. So if the supporter yeah. comes up me and asks me a question, then I don't ignore it. I, I, I remember being on the terrace and what I wanted. So you'd, uh, you'd sort of give them whatever they wanted, whether it be autographs, whether it's pictures, mm -hmm. whatever the case may be. You just remember them sort of days. Um, so I was a little bit, I don't know, from the old school, I suppose. Mm. I, I see it now. It frustrates me at times. It's changed 
unbelievably, hasn't it? The modern game now. I'm I'm, I'm not a great lover of the modern game. Mm. I'll be honest. I think there's there's such a, a difference between players of yesteryear and, and players today. Mm. They're almost like the untouchables today. You can't get close to them. You can't get your autograph. You can't ask them questions. It remi- well, it reminds me a little bit when we went to when I went to America and played in America, mm-hmm. and we had a thing that um, when we played the game, yeah. they went over to Tannoyne and said, uh, "Meet the Timbers yeah. at the Benson Hotel." Mm-hmm. So all these supporters like, "What do you mean, meet the Timbers?" So a few of them started turning up, yeah. and so we'd had sort of the first game was seven seven and a half thousand. And the last game was 34,000 watching us. So we used to go to this hotel. And it started off, as I say, with a few people. And a few people said, can't believe this. Like mm. American football, basketball, baseball, any of these. They would never, ever mix with us. Why yeah. are you coming to... Because we want to promote our sport. We mm. want to tell you about it. And you don't, you've never seen it before. So the word got round. And then it was in the end that you couldn't get into this Benson Hotel for the supporters. Because, and all of them with the same thing, come up and said the same thing. We can't believe that we, you know, 30,000 people go and watch you when you come here and have a drink with us and yeah. have a chat with us about the game and, and talk about it. And I think that that's sadly gone now. Yeah, I has. think that they've gone, our players now have gone like the American football and American baseball. Mm-hmm. They're earning that much money that they don't have to really bother and with yeah. support. And I don't think they've, they've got what's called, I call it... Um, the life cycle of intermingling with people no, you know they i think they just shut themselves isolate themselves a little bit but again going back to you 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 work for five years on the docks these kids they get into these academies at the age of seven and eight and and lots of them just go through that academy system hmm. and our little footballers and the little gods from 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 an early age and i suppose They've always had everything thrown at them, so it's hardly surprising that some of them turn into the prima donnas that they've clearly turned into. Well, you know, we've created this problem, haven't we, really? We do create, we do create the problem, and I think you're right. And I, I, I look sort of throughout my career, mm. um, and players that I've met yeah. who couldn't, if they were going on holiday, they couldn't organise going on holiday because they'd never. Because what happened as a football, if you went and played somewhere. Mm-hmm. You were just handed a boarding pass. Yeah. Turn up, give your passport in, handed mm. a boarding pass, and everything was all your luggage. Everything was looked after. Yeah. And I used to, and I'd be carrying my luggage, and the lads would say, "Why don't you just let now?" I'm used to carrying my own luggage. I'm yeah. not getting other people to carry my luggage. You know. So it is. It's changed a little. And I think what we tried to do with the book and what you know Simon Goodyear and I, when we sat down, is that we've tried to um, give the feeling. Of of a supporter yeah. from footballer, mm-hmm. but still remembered his roots of where he came from, yeah. and never really gone above his station. <clears throat> and I think it's helped really that Kathy and I met when we were thirteen years old in mm-hmm. Speak, because she lived, she come from uh, the Dingle area and moved to Speak as well, around the corner, <laughs> six, five doors away. Uh, so I think it, it's helped that we've been together all these years. Um, and she's sort of like me, but probably a little bit more than me because she um, she doesn't seem to be in awe of anyone. Yeah, you know she's sort of so she ke- she keeps your feet on the ground. At so times. who are you in awe of? Um, I'm in awe. I, I would say that I look 
about successful people like players. Okay. If a look, you know, like the likes of uh, in my day was Alan Ball and, and yeah, people yeah. like that. But I've I've been fortunate enough through football have met mm. quite a substantial amount of people. Yeah. Um, that I look at, like Robert Plant. We were talking about Robert yeah. Plant. I met, I've met Robert Plant a couple of times, um, and of course remember him from Led Zeppelin. Um, Moody Blues, all the Moody Blues, met all the Moody Blues, met, yeah. um, you know, one of his people is uh, Tony from um, Black Sabbath, Tony and Omi. Yeah. You know, you just, I went, sadly went to Trevor's, Helen's funeral, and the amount of people that turned mm -hmm. up was phenomenal. Um, and I was, there was people there, you know, like um, Jeff, Jeff Lynn flew all the way over from, Mm. Los Angeles, just to attend. I said, how long are you for? He said, oh, I'm just coming for the funeral and then I'm going back, you know. Yeah. But to sort of them type of people and meeting sort of, you, you get a bit of a, um, like when you play for England and that and you go down to Wembley and then all of a sudden you, these people turn up for the for the games and you're like, yeah, yeah oh, status quo. <laughs> <laughs> you know? yeah. And you play in, I played in testimonial games where Elton John, Robert Plant, all these, all the Black Sabbath lads, all the Led Zeppelin lads, because when you talk to them, yeah, all they want to be is footballers, exactly, and all footballers yeah. want to be is rock stars, yeah. So it's it's sort of one for the one for the other, you know. So um, and the sad thing is for uh, I I used I said to my son Stephen, who's uh, he's a singer and he's got his own had his own band and everything, and he's wrote a lot of music. I said to him, I said, the only thing is, I said, I, I lost my voice when I got kicked in the throat by Viv Anderson. I was going to head okay. the ball and he kicked me in the throat. And I used to... Who was you playing for at the time? I was playing for Villa and he was playing for Arsenal. And uh, my voice changed. So I've gone from being not bad at singing yeah. to all of a sudden awful at singing. <clears throat> and uh, I said to Stephen, my son, I said, the only thing is, I said, just after, I've been on top of the pops twice. <laughs> To listen to the rest of this podcast, please go to www.patreon.com forward slash srbmedia or just follow the links in the description. Thank you. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.